0: Everybody, welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by Geico. Oh, well, wow. and immaculatesports.com. Not actually Geico, but it's episode 155. Uh, Twitter is at a Max Sports, Instagram is also at a Max Sports, TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports 155. Like I said, so much news in the sports world today. My goodness, we got first half baseball, of course, second half fantasy football, halftime college preseason. The craziness? What are the Patriots doing, man? They cut all their quarterbacks? We'll get into that. Mm-hmm. It was a wild morning of news, for sure. On cut day for the NFL.
1: Yeah, crazy week. Uh, again, going through our positional you know, power rankings for fantasy football. It's a big night for me and Skyler, as we have our fantasy draft as well, coming up here in about three and a half hours. So I assume probably next week we might talk about our teams a little bit, what we got there, and uh, maybe you guys have well, – seeing a bit of our insight on who we think is going to be popping off this year with our rankings for quarterbacks, running backs these past two weeks, and then wide receivers and tight ends today. Uh, Skeller, I'll let you go ahead and get it started though with your
0: opener. So I got to talk about what the angels just did like a couple of hours ago. Uh, They obviously were a team that were buyers at the deadline. That means you're going to have some expiring contracts at the end of the season. Uh, What the angels decided to do. I have never seen before. They released all of them except for Shohei Otani. Uh, the Dirty Dozen, um, <laughs> named dozen. By, by Bob Nightingale. We got Matt Moore with the legendary changeup. Renato Lopez, good bullpen arm. Randall Gritchick, the outfielder. Hunter Renfro, another outfielder with a great season. Dom Leone, former Bay Area reliever. And Lucas Giolito, former Cy Young winner. I mean, th- this just blows my mind that no, it's a young player. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. He threw no hitter. I, the way Jessica Mendoza talks about him, it's like he won eight of those things. I apologize to Verlander, mm-hmm. who actually won it. Um, so yeah, that's Angels. What what are you doing? I mean, like, what? what how much money are you actually saving here? You, you're not going to have to offer them qualifying offers, but, I mean, you already don't have to do that. So. Yeah, top on the yeah. list today of what are you doing?
1: Yeah, uh, I'll go over the tweets from Passan, who kind of broke the news. He said the Los Angeles Angels have placed starter Lucas Gilito, relievers Matt Moore, Renato Lopez, and outfielders Hunter Renfro and Randall Gritchick. He also did not name Dominic Leon in here, but I do know that he was one of those waiver guys. On waivers, sources tell ESPN huge potential playoff implications because all can be claimed by teams for free on Thursday, except for their contracts themselves so you don't have to trade for them you're just getting the player you just got to pay the remaining salary reverse draft or or, a current draft order from last year yeah for for the angels this will be pure salary dump because there are no longer any august trades they will all get from the transaction transactions is salary relief teams that claim the players will only need to pay their salaries for the rest of the season so like i just said uh, and then you go into the order, who gets the players will be determined by reverse order of records. So, for example, like the A's, then the Royals, and then I think like the Rockies, White Sox, teams like that at the bottom. And then last up would be the Braves. Uh, but, it you know, brings up a lot of interesting stuff. And I know my opener here was my fantasy draft because I'm from the future. And I know I have a good team. But this is kind of what I wanted to talk about in the opener because it was just so weird and random to see have happen. This is going to have major playoff implications. Like, they're usually when you see these guys released, like, they're usually bums. Like, if you look at, I mean, Yankees kind of did their own version of this today with releasing Josh Donaldson and waving Harrison Bader. Those dudes will probably get picked up and be on playoff teams, or at least be on teams that are within playoff contention. But Giolito. You know, as a starter who hasn't had the best time in LA, but is still gonna, you know, give you know four or five starter value for a lot of teams. Matt Moore has a two-three ERA this year. I know these we talk about his all-stars. legendary changeup all the time. Reynaldo Lopez is a guy who can really help in the back end of bullpen for a team. Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchick, you know, they might not be like guys that you want to start in the outfield, but if you got an injury in the outfield right now, go ahead, pick these guys up and just slot them in there. It's costing you nothing. Obviously, I don't know if we'll see teams from like the bottom of the barrel standings. Go ahead and get it. Let me pull up the actual MLB yeah. standings right now, and, and we'll go through the order. The A's, I mean, probably we won't pick anybody up because just stuff. But I would like to see us maybe pick up Renato Lopez. I think that would sure. be yeah. you know helpful, especially because he's not going to cost that much money. Kansas City, Colorado, Chicago, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Mets. Washington, I think then maybe we get started with the Padres as a team who can go ahead and pick up one of these guys, depending on you know, are they really still going for it or is or this if I think they point? can
0: resign Giolito if they've had prior conversations.
1: Yeah, it's sixty-two and seventy right now though for them. Uh after that is the Guardians who seem to be going crazy on the waiver wire recently, picking up Eric Haas last week as well too. So he uh, so over there. I don't really see anything too crazy by them. Yankees pretty much seem to be out of it at this point. The whole reason why they waived Bader and released Donaldson was because of Peraza and Pereira, who came up over these last you know week
0: or so. Possibly the
1: Martian. From there, we look up at Miami, Cincinnati, San Francisco, who are all viable options for yeah. a lot of these guys. And from there, the rest of the way, you know, Boston, Arizona, Chicago Cubs, Toronto, and you get into the rest of the teams who are having really good seasons, there are going to be... These one of these dudes is going to have a big moment in the playoffs. It's bound to happen. And just to see the Angels do this, you know, six weeks or whatever after going for it all is hilarious because they just didn't, you know, trade for these guys for nothing. Like, they gave up a lot in their farm system. And to see him just, you know, wave the white flag so quick and see the mistake is crazy. And, yeah. you know, blame it on Shohei or whatever for, you know, getting hurt even – Though it's really not his fault, it's hilarious to see the Angels doing this. And uh, they're going to be set back a long ways because this team is garbage. It's going to be garbage. They have no farm system unless Zach Nado and Zach Schoenell, or Nolan Schoenell, geez, uh, turn into absolute demons. It's not happening for them for a long, long time. Probably not. All right, little angels rant there. That was a little fun to talk about, though. Uh, Let's move into our where's your head at with our player pitcher rookie of the week as we do every single week. Scudder, I'll let you go ahead and get started with the rookie of the week. All
0: right. This one was a no-brainer for me. Bay Area legend, once again, Kyle Harrison. Oh, man. With the home debut for the San Francisco Giants, six and a third shutout, 11 Ks against the Phillies. He looks really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, his, his first start uh, against the Phillies last week was okay. I, mean, I think he went three and a third. Give up a homer to Bryce Harper in the f- first inning. So kind of like a welcome to the MLB type thing. But the start against the Reds last night was absolutely amazing. The six and a third. That's innings, what I'm three referring hits. to. Yeah, it, it's yeah. all good. I knew what you were, you yep. were referring to. Uh, two walks, no runs, of course. 11 strikeouts, strikeout LED to the a couple of times. And to think about... I mean, I'm not going to be a guy that like mooches off his success, but it's crazy to think about if somebody that I played travel ball with when we were young and had faced and gotten hits off of when we were little kids is now striking out guys who are considered some of the best players in the MLB is absolutely crazy to think of. Uh, So to see him doing that is really, really cool. Still looks the same kid, and, I mean, he he had an absolute crazy night last night, and to see that happen it was really, really cool. Pitcher of the week, though, Skyler. Did you stick with Harrison, or you go with somebody else?
0: I didn't. I'm going to go with Merrill Kelly. It's been such a bad year, but he took a one-hitter into the seventh which went 12 Ks the other night, and, uh, you know, it, it's kind of gotten them back in position to make a run. We'll talk more about Arizona, but uh it probably doesn't happen if Merrill Kelly keeps his 7 ERA or whatever he was rocking.
1: Uh, like a sub 3 together. Merrill Kelly? Yeah, Merrill Kelly has a sub Merrill 3 Merrill Kelly Doug. from Arizona. Yes, Merrill Kelly has like a okay. two nine ERA dog. All,
0: All right, he's well, cool. he's my he's my guy. You continue. I'm going to find out what happened here. In, he's been most. great. Maybe you think of Zach Davies? <laughs> I'm definitely thinking of Zach Davies.
1: oh okay, Kelly's been great. Uh I went with Luis Severino as my pitcher of the week. He has been terrible this year with like nearly an eight year A. Uh, but two starts this past week, thirteen and two thirds innings, so a good amount of innings there. Only six hits, no runs and ten strikeouts. It's good to see, you know, a guy who kind of got swallowed up by the New York media over these past few months really come out and have a good week and a good showing there. So Luis Severino, tip the cap to you. Let's go ahead and get to player of the week. Do you got your guy? I do. I do. My guy's gonna be Adam Duval,
0: another Bay Area legend. Has played played his fair share in the Bay Area and uh, four homers, ten ribbies, second in OPS this week. Uh, a good friend of my friend Kev. So shout out Adam Duval for once again winning it. Tied though with Julio because he had 500.
1: Julio was crazy, uh, but I'm going Duvall as well to the 10 for 23, four homers, 10 RBIs. Uh, if he wasn't hurt for, you know, that month and a half, two-month stretch after his scorching hot to start off April, he would be a guy who, you know, obviously not MVP talks because of Shohei Otani, but he has had an amazing season. He's nearly posted 1,000 OPS, so He would have been a guy who probably hit 35 homers, 100 RBIs, and really would have put his name on the map as being one of the best hitters in the league. Uh, But still, an amazing season for him so far. Great week. Another guy I do want to mention is Mookie Betts. His return to Boston was absolutely amazing. He had, I think, nine hits this past week, maybe a few more than that. So shout out Mookie Betts, who's now the favorite to win NL MVP, which is kind of crazy uh we'll talk maybe more about that in the coming weeks but for right now we got to talk about felix batista who is out for the season we don't really know his trajectory uh, as far as what's actually gonna happen with him i have him on my fantasy team so yahoo's been giving me little spurts about what's going on batista was placed on the 15 day il on saturday with a ucl injury Uh, and based off of the description that they gave about it it said batista left the outing on friday Against the Rockies with right arm discomfort, and it looks like the injury is potentially a serious one. The Orioles haven't specified an exact diagnosis or timeline for Bautista, but Tommy John surgery would seem to be a possibility given that he's dealing with UCL troubles. Even a lesser injury would have be a huge blow to the Orioles, and that's exactly what we're talking about here today. He's probably out for the season, even if he's not out for the season. Say he returns in the playoffs that's likely not going to happen. So we'll just go under the assumption right now that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. We won't go into future years, but does this end the World Series hopes for the AL leading, uh, Baltimore Orioles at eighty-two and forty-nine? I know we've been kind of skeptic to jump on the real, you know, World Series vibes with them, but does this kind of take him take him a tick down and and kick him out of that group?
0: You mentioned the trajectory of the injury. I. My first thought was that I don't think this changes the trajectory of the team at all. I mean, he's a great player. There's going to be a time in October where they need him and they wish he was healthy. But they weren't going to win the World Series either way. I don't think this really matters.
1: Yeah, uh, I I didn't have huge, you know, Orioles World Series vibes with on this year. Uh, I know, you know, they have some underrated starting pitchers and that's kind of been the thing that, We've kind of harped on about him this year, as far as not having a guy that can really go take the ball for you when it comes down to being in a October fifteenth game, Game Five against Houston or something like that. Jack Flaherty hasn't been great since he came over, but you know Tyler Wells, Kyle Bradish have been two guys that really stood out for them in the rotation. Dean Kramer's been a guy who's can eat innings. And Grayson Rodriguez has slowly turned into a guy that maybe could be him. Their bullpen, you know, their bullpen's good. Their bullpen's good outside of Felix Bautista. I think you look at Yanir Cano, you know, Mike Bowman, Cristiano Perez, Danny Colomay, Brian Baker, Oso uh, as well as uh, Shintaro Fujinami, who's came over at the deadline yeah. that we talked about with his, his trade to the a, from the A's. There's nobody like Felix Bautista. And a guy like Felix Bautista being in the game can't give you you know world series hopes because it's really an eight eight inning game maybe even a seven inning game with him you just got to be up at some point there you put him in games over it feels like Uh, I know he hasn't been as sharp as of recently since that Kyle Tucker home run that he gave up a couple weeks ago but this dude had you know Cy Young possibilities a little bit of talk a couple weeks ago so him not being there I will say probably ends the world series hopes obviously it's not you know, it doesn't mean everything because we've seen teams go on the run in the past of out course. of nowhere and win it all. But at this point, I'd probably put Seattle above them. I'd probably put Texas above them. And I'd probably put Houston above them as well, too. And that's just in the West alone. East, I still think they're above Tampa Bay. But if Toronto gets hot, Minnesota gets hot, I think they'd be above them as well, too. So um I'm not saying it fully ends it, but it puts them down to like the inside that maybe like two, 3% spot moving on to the Arizona diamondbacks. They've been getting hot recently. They've won eight out of their last 11. Now after losing last night, sitting at 69 and 63, which is currently in the wildcard three spot. We were talking about this team a few weeks ago about the, how they have fallen off is maybe, you know, Catching signs of fatigue for a team who hasn't all really played 162 games together. But that's kind of flipped its script. And the Giants have been bad recently since he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Miami hasn't played well. Are the playoff vibes back on for the D-backs? Is this a, is this a playoff push or are we going to see them fall sh- a little bit short? Well,
0: coming up, you got a series at the Dodgers going on right now. Then you play Baltimore. Then you play at the Cubs. Then you play at the Mets. And you're going to end the season against Houston. It's it's tough to say because the Giants' schedule is just as difficult. But I'm going to say that they're going to miss it by a game or, or two because I, I don't think they could pitch enough gems to get it done. Um, and against that lineup, I mean we saw even Baltimore's a great team. They played a similar lineup and and you know, lost their footing a little bit, but they've got it back, obviously. Um and I do want to mention I kept reading the uh the right name to the wrong numbers. So I just closed all my all my tabs. I'm just gonna go go off of what I had because I I keep doing that, man. I'll be like, Oh wow, look, uh, you know, Zach Davies, whatever, and then read Wade Miley's numbers, who isn't even on the team, you know.
1: It's uh, you're good, you so good. I apologize. Yeah. Arizona, I, I mean, you know I was big on this team going into the year. I said that they wouldn't make a playoff spot, but I wanted them to, and I said that I was going to be pulling for them the entire year. And I'm still on that train. It does kind of stuck with their schedule. You know, playing in L.A. these next couple of days is going to be really rough. They dropped the game last night, so I assume at best maybe they split these next two. Baltimore, they do have three against Colorado, which is big. They have six, seven more games against the Cubs, so they haven't even played the Cubs yet this year. With the Cubs being the team above them in the wild card standings, that is gonna have a shit ton of impact yeah. on who ends up getting in there. Four in New York to play the Mets. It's a little interesting, and they have they have a weird fucking trip, man. They go they are at home after this series against the Dodgers, against the Orioles and the Rockies, then they go on the road for four in Chicago and four in New York against the Mets, come all the way back across the country, play three at home against the Cubs off day, two against the Giants off day, and then they go back out to New York to play the Yankees. That's right, they play the Yankees. And the White Sox, which is just absolutely fucked as far as travel goes. I mean, it would have been perfect. You just switch that Cubs series and the Yankees series and you stay in New York for a week. Come home and then you go out to Chicago and you play the Cubs and the White Sox the next week. So schedule makers were not a big fan of this Arizona team, it looks like. I think it's so tough right now to really predict what's gonna happen. I, I've been pulling for this Arizona team. I think the Giants might be able to weather the storm a little bit better than Arizona just because of you know the maturity when it comes to the Giants roster and kind of a bit more energy that they've had over these past few few months just in general of being a better team uh cincinnati man cincinnati's so tough to predict what's going on you're like this team's hot they're going and then they lose three in a row and now matt mcclain's on the il mm-hmm. maybe we're talking about since being dead at this point even though they're a game and a half out matt mcclain not, not being able to play is gonna be huge for them i'm a big brew crew guy so i know you're a big brew, brew crew they guy they got their division pretty much locked down though so winners of nine in a row they should be fine Miami is a team that's still in it. I got to check Miami's schedule. Miami's schedule is the thing that will determine it for me. Let me go over here. See Miami. I know they're playing Tampa right now. Instead of two, they play Washington after this, which is interesting because Washington hasn't been that bad, you know, these past few months. Then they have a very tough stretch. Oh, my God. At home versus Dodgers in Philly, four in Milwaukee, four or three at home versus Atlanta, three at home versus the Mets, and then three at home versus the Brewers as well too. So they have seven against the Brewers left. And then after that to end the season, they go to the Mets and the Pirates away to end the season. Man, I'm saying no for Miami. Give Give me Arizona. I think they claim the last wild card spot. That'd be a fun team to watch make it in. Uh I just hope they you know are able to get through those tough series without getting swept, and that's the main thing for that.
0: Absolutely, especially not Milwaukee.
1: Yeah. Uh last spot that we we're gonna talk about before halftime is gonna be a prospect thing that we saw on Twitter yesterday from MLB Pipeline. And me and Skyler were kind of talking about it, thinking it it could be something fun to be doing on the show. They mm-hmm. gave us fifteen dollars, you get to pick a guy each position to kind of help make your infield it's all prospects i guess i'll go through you know all the guys that they have on this list right now uh starting as catcher for one dollar they have andy rodriguez the switch hitting catching prospect from pittsburgh who just made his major league debut a couple weeks ago next up for two dollars they have harry ford uh the, the catching prospect for the seattle mariners played for great britain in the wbc next next up is the brewers catching prospect jefferson cuero i do not know if he's brothers with the other cuero uh, the guy on the either. white Sox now but i guess we'll f- probably figure that out if he is decent in the big leagues the four dollar catcher was logan Ohappy, and then the five dollar catcher was ethan salvis the youngest prospect on mlb pipelines top 100 prospects together what was the catcher that you went with here
0: I feel like if you were trying to win right now, you would go with Logan Ohapi, but that's not how I viewed it. I viewed it as how mm-hmm. I think these guys will turn out in a couple of years. So I'm going with Harry Ford at number two. This is a guy you know he's going to hit in the top half of your lineup. He's going to hit at least 250. He's going to steal a lot of bases. He plays great defense. And th- these are things that are... You know, it's not old news. We know this about him and this is what he's done the past three years in the minors. I saw a comment that was interesting. There's no way you could pass on Ethan Sellis. Well, you know, I I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's bad at all. I think he's going to be great, but he hasn't really hit above single A. Yeah, so I I can't take him. I'm going with Harry Ford.
1: Also, another thing with Salas, you know, usually for these things, you you take one guy that's one dollar, one guy that's two dollar, one guy that's three, one guy that's four. I usually go that way. There's a couple prospects on this list that I absolutely love, and you'll you know those guys, and we'll get to that in a minute. So the guy that I went with here was the one dollar option in Andy Rodriguez, switch hitting catcher, good arm, good behind the plate, has some good pop as well too. We haven't really seen him play consistently well so far in Pittsburgh but some flashes and probably gonna be the backstop in Pittsburgh for the long haul since Henry Davis hasn't really had I don't know if he's had really any time back there yet at this point so I want to thank Rodriguez to kind of save and budget for some future guys moving on to first base mm-hmm. we have the one dollar version uh Giants prospect Bryce Eldridge I believe he's drafted last year i want to say uh, June, uh july next Sorry. up is nolan chunel the current first baseman for the <laughs> los angeles angels got drafted six weeks ago and it's already in the big leagues next up is like xavier isaac who's a new addition to the top 30 or top 100 prospects in the mlb after zach galoff graduated i think that's the guy who shifted down into into his spot so he's a three dollar option here he's Drafted last year, I want to say, as well, too. Uh, big hitting first baseman prospect for the Rays. $4 option was Christian and Carcy on Strand, who's had, again, flashes up in the big leagues so far as Cincinnati, but hasn't really pieced it together to really be you know, showing as a great big league player quite yet. And then the $5 option, which was a little confusing for me, was Kyle Manzardo, who just got traded to the Guardians for Aaron Savalier over this past year. Hasn't had the greatest minor league showings in the past few years, but it's still a a pretty high prospect. Skyler, who was the guy that you went with here? I went with
0: the $4 and carnation strand, another Bay area guy. Great. And why I love him is because he's going to strike out. He's struck in a lot in the majors, but that's just how he plays baseball. I took a look at some of the advanced numbers over his career in the minors and throughout High A, double A, triple A. He's hit over 300 with a, a ridiculously high strikeout rate because he can still get on base. He still walks. He's still got a over-league average OPS+. plus. He's going to hit for a lot of power.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm i a huge fan of CES. I just thought he was a little bit too expensive on here for my liking. So i went with Nolan Chunel. Guy who's already had a bit of success in the big leagues. I think he's hitting like 340 right now for the Angels in his first like 10 to 15 games of the big leagues. I don't think we see a ton, a ton of power from him, at least in the first part of his career. I think he's kind of more of a contact focused guy right now. Uh kind of gives off a bit of Hosmer vibes at the plate a little bit to me. But maybe that power develops a little bit later in his in his career. Give me Chanel, though, for the budget of $2. Don't worry, though. I'll, I'll get to the $5 and $4 guys later. Oh, yeah. Second baseman. Starting off with the $1 guy, uh, James Triantos, who is a prospect with the Cubs. Next up is Connor Norby, who is a prospect for the Orioles. Next up, second baseman switch hitting Ronnie Mauricio, $3 guy with the Mets. Number four. Uh, Jace Jung, which is Josh Jung's brother. He's currently the second baseman in the minor leagues for the Detroit Tigers. And then number five, first round pick last year, Tamar Johnson, uh, second baseman with the Pittsburgh Pirates together. Who is the guy that you went with here? Tamar Johnson's great, but
0: I couldn't afford it in this exercise. So we're going to go with the $3 Ronnie Mauricio, a guy who has had legit flashes of five-tool ability in triple-A. And, uh, you know, maybe if they didn't have so many expensive players up in the majors right now, he would have already gotten a shot because he has been hitting really well in AAA. So that's my guy. Kind of a safer pick here compared to the others.
1: Yeah. Ronnie Mauricio is going to be a guy who's up in the big leagues here very soon as well, too. I think we've kind of seen a bit of the urgency from the Mets this year to get some of the guys up like Vientos and Beatty. Hasn't worked out the greatest for them so far, but it's going to have to, you know, Start giving some other guys some opportunities once we get into next year and maybe the end of this year as well, too, with how the Mets currently are. I went with Connor Norby. I'm not a huge Connor Norby guy. I think he's got, you know, maybe just under 20, potential in the big leagues. I'm not a huge fan of anything with him, but I think he's going to be a decent player all around. The reason why I went with him is again to budget. Uh, so if you notice, I've only spent $5 through the first three guys. and That gives me $10 to go for the last two positions and get some of my favorite prospects in, in all the big leagues right now, or minor leagues right now. Uh, so right now, Andy Rodriguez, Nolan Chanel and Connor Norby through the first three. Skyler, can you remind me who you went with in the first three spots? Harry yeah. Ford, so far I have CES. Harry Ford,
0: CES, Ronnie Mauricio. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Moving on to third baseman. One dollar guy was Curtis Mead, maybe a sleeper pick there. I think that's probably where Skyler went, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, Kobe Mayo, is the next guy, $2 guy, guy who absolutely rakes for the Baltimore Orioles. Colt Keith is a $3 guy, kind of a prospect who not came out of nowhere, but really gained some national spotlight this year and is now in the top 100. Noel v. Marte is the $4 guy who was the main trade piece in the Luis Castillo trade last year and has now made the big league debut with the Reds over this past week or so. And the number five guy, Timber Bay Raids prospect, Junior Caminero. Schuyler, who did you go with here?
0: You were right. I went with Curtis Meade. I just I couldn't afford Junior Caminero. I decided to go with Encarnacion Strand over him because I thought the drop-off at first base was was a lot more than third base. Because, you know, Curtis Meade is a guy who, again, it hasn't put it all together in the majors yet. But, hey, at least he's gotten there. At least we know he can hit. Another situation we know he can hit 250 in the bigs and a lot of defensive versatility. Uh, I'm taking the guy with the 65 hit grade most of the time,
1: the Australian, I believe. Yes, sir. Thank you, Australia. Yeah, never. Or the, the guy that I went with, and you'll see, I mean, I had ten dollars left with two positions. I went with Junior Caminero. This has been a guy that I've talked to Skyler with from the probably the beginning of this year when Absolutely. he was ranked in the high 80s as far as prospects go. So this guy, my, numbers in the minors are absolutely ridiculous. He has some crazy pops, some of the best in all the minor leagues. And he's completely shot up prospect ranking list. And I think now he's number five or four in the total pipeline list. Power, again, one of the best out of anybody in the minor leagues right now. He's got the ability to hit for contact as well, too. The defense is solid, too. So, but if you rake, man. Just throw him in the middle lineup, and we'll see how it goes from there. Junior Caminero is the guy that I went with. And now we're down to the shortstops. Five very intriguing options here, but there's one that stands out from everybody else. Uh, Starting off with the $1 guy, Colson Montgomery. First round pick a couple years ago for the Chicago White Sox. Next up, number two guy, Marcelo Mayer, who is the shortstop of the future for the Boston Red Sox. After that, same guy, or drafted in the same drafts, Jordan Lawler, who is, I believe, prospect number 11, maybe around there, uh, in pipeline for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Next up, Jackson Merrill is the $4 guy who has shot up prospect boards over this past year or so as well, too. And then the number one prospect in all baseball, the super prospect, Jackson Holiday, is the $5 guy. Based off my calculations, I believe you have five dollars left as well, too, Skeller. Why did you go up, Jackson Holiday?
0: I went with Jackson Holiday because he is doing everything in the minors that that translates well to the bigs. It's uh, it's about the exit velo and the walk percentage and the OPS plus and the barrel speed and and all that stuff is like some of the greatest we've ever seen in minor league history. He's putting up ridiculous numbers. I, I listen to Bill Simmons' podcasts, mostly basketball, but he's one of the, the best basketball writers, in my opinion, so I, I value his opinion. And he has something he talks about. Is this the best version? If you played over this guy's career 100 times, just best, worst, in the middle, I feel like Jackson Holiday's on pace for the best possible player he could be. And it's exciting.
1: Yeah, I... I was, I don't know about intrigued. I was just perplexed at first with, uh, when he first got drafted over drew Jones, I felt like it was kind of a shock to everybody. Just, uh, drew Jones is just a, you know, a guy that kind of lit up the baseball field, had a lot of energy to his game. Obviously both these guys have have, you know, great dads who played in the big leagues, yeah. but Andrew Jones maybe a little bit better of a player than Matt holiday. Uh, and Drew Jones just kind of had that prospect spotlight about him. And when Jackson Holiday went first, we were kind of like, is this happening right now? This is kind of crazy. Uh, but Jackson Holiday has shown that he, he was, for a great reason, the number one pick in that draft. He was amazing in low A, high A, Florida League, whatever. Double A, he's been amazing. And if the Orioles wanted to, he could be on the big league team as of right now. Uh, I don't think we're gonna see him get called up this year just because it doesn't make sense financially to waste the uh wouldn't waste the year of service time, but it just wouldn't make a ton of sense for the Orioles and get the clock started right now. I think yeah. we'll see him probably up at the beginning of next year and be the everyday shortstop for, for them from you know that point on. But he is a super prospect, dude. I think when you add this guy to their lineup and you see the you know, the progression with uh, the bat of Gunnar Henderson over this past year. You see the kind of protection he'll have in that lineup, too. Yeah. At Lee Rutschman and the lee, you know, discipline that he offers as well. Santander is a very underrated bat. You know, Ryan O'Hearn coming up and not being a guy who hits 219 with a 650 OPS anymore. Somehow he's hitting nearly 300 and 900 OPS. Kobe Mayo is coming up soon. He's very young. He's 21. Connor Norby. Uh, Joey Ortiz, guys like that, they got throughout the system that can just put the bat on the ball. Not to mention, you know, the guy who's been there the longest, pretty much, Cedric Boland, still be in a play. Uh, Man, Jackson Holiday is going to have like 120 RBIs in a couple years. And (laughs) Atley's going to lead the league on walks. Gunner's going to hit 45 homers. And they're going to lose in the second round. They're still going to be looking for pitchers. (laughs) So (laughs) we'll see how it goes. Hopefully Grayson Rodriguez breaks out for them because that's really – I think the thing cool. that can really push them into I don't know about dynasty, but into legitimate constant World Series contention. We'll see how that ends up going at the end of their contract, so because their owner's been a little bit stingy. Yeah. But there's me and Skyler's teams. I went with Love Jackson Holiday, prospects. Junior Caminero, Connor Norby, Nolan Chanel, and Andy Rodriguez. Don't forget about Harry Ford, though. I do like Harry Ford. He's a stud. I just, I didn't have the budget for him. Oh, you know,
0: I'm aware. All right. Welcome to halftime. It's the football side of things. Mostly over here. We'll start it off with some notable preseason quarterbacks. Cause it was a big weekend. It was and some guys were on the bubble, whether it was for starting or for even making the roster. So we'll start off with Anthony Richardson. It's been an up and down off season at Philadelphia. This week and six for 17 passing, but 40 on the ground done after a couple drives. And he's going to be the starter. Um, I imagine it will be very similar once the regular season starts. Uh, lots ups and downs, but I, uh, I hope he can, he can put. Put it all together at some point and not get destroyed by the old line. It's my Anthony Richardson take. But, uh, next guy moving on Teddy Bridgewater. He's not rocking the. Uh, the 50s anymore he got a real quarterback number and he went Mm -hmm. 13 for 22 178 yards in a touchdown he's going to be detroit's backup that's uh it's just a cool story because we know Bridgewater can play when you look at you know um all-time stats for the past decade he's qualified for everything he's like third the third most accurate passer of the last 10 years uh so it's it's good to keep an eye on him another guy kind of on the bubble malik willis tennessee Finally scraped together a preseason win against New England, 15 for 20, 211 passing yards with two touchdowns, but two picks. It was ugly. So I don't know if I'm comfortable using them in a regular season game, unfortunately. That's why you got Will Levis, though. San Francisco. Um, Sam Darnold played well versus the Chargers, and Trey Lance was traded to Dallas on Friday. Um, fourth round pick. It's unfortunate. I don't think we'll ever see him play in a meaningful game again, if we're being truthful with everybody it's here. Yeah. That uh, gets
1: like hurt, and Cooper Rush so gets hurt.
0: <laughs> Cooper Rush goes back to Central Michigan, maybe. But yeah, interesting situation with the Niners. I don't want any part of, of it, whether it has to do with betting, fantasy football. <laughs> I don't care if Brock Birdie can hit his, his checkdowns, dude. like It still scares the crap out of me. And the last one here, we got P.J. Walker. Uh, not a bad preseason with Chicago, but was cut. Tyson Bajant, the rookie. I hadn't heard of until like three days ago. I like I this, know guy. this guy. Was. You know, D2 player from Shepard University came in. No one knew who he was, like you said, but destroyed the combine. And now he won the second second spot here in, in Chicago, which is, is just a great story. Uh, we're going to see him at some point this year, I'm sure. Uh, so I'll, I'll be sure to, to tune in and, you know, not to take away from PJ Walker. Uh, but speaking of, of the cuts, there were some notables. So let's start with the quarterbacks. It was most likely to get picked up, right? Two New England guys, Bailey Zappi, Malik Cunningham. Uh, I mean, you got to imagine. One QB on yeah, the roster. so One quarterback, Mac Jones. Um, Cunningham played great. Zappi was okay, but played good last season in the regular season. So you got to imagine Belichick said, uh, hey, I need some room for my special teams, guys. I'll toss you a six-round pick next year if you don't pick up my quarterback or something like that, you know, because um, this just makes no sense at all. <laughs> Another guy, Will Greer, was released by the Cowboys, but before he left, he made sure to to put on a master class in the preseason game. Respect, man. He took advantage of his opportunity, and he's going to get picked up. Uh, similar with Colt McCoy here not bad over the past couple of years. Just been primarily a backup, but Arizona's tanking. Colt McCoy would get killed with that offensive line. So uh, he's going elsewhere to be probably a backup or a coach. On to the young, the youngins here. Max Duggan. TCU brought him to the natty. Waved. Oh, I thought you were, you were telling me to stop. Yeah, mm. he gone. He gone. Uh, another guy probably will be on a practice squad because... He's very popular. Young, name. Yeah. 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 Um, Brett Rippon, Boise state legend, let go by the Rams. I'm sure Denver will put him on the practice squad again. And the last guy left-handed legend, Jake
1: Luton, um, <laughs> state, um, not actually left-handed. Stop. I don't know. He was how on Carolina. We didn't know he was left-handed or he didn't. We didn't know he wasn't left-handed for like three weeks. Yeah. Oh, brother. I,
0: I got a couple more notables here non-quarterbacks. I just want to go through them because their names I either haven't heard in a while or, you know, this could be their last dance. Let's talk about them. Alex Leatherwood, former first-rounder of the Raiders, was with Chicago, didn't make the team. Uh, very unfortunate. Someone will take a shot because he's young, but it's – Will they? Hey, dude, we, we started Billy Turner. We started Billy Turner at left tackle last year, so uh absolutely someone will take him. Melvin Gordon, he's still kicking. He was in Atlanta, but uh, just released. They got running backs for days over there. They grew on trees, so they didn't need him. Uh, Denver released another familiar face. It was wide receiver slash quarterback Kendall Hinton. Very sad. I, again, I'm sure he'll be back on the practice squad, but a uh, notable guy who we may never see in a meaningful game again. Keelan Cole, Raiders and Jets yeah. legend, the receiver. And the the last thing I want to mention here for the cut players, the Texans decided to cut their two captains from last season, linebacker Christian Kirksey, and defensive back Desmond King. I get it; they weren't coming back next year. They were more expensive than you would like. It's a new regime, but to get rid of your captains that quickly—that's going to be a drastic disadvantage in the locker room. This isn't Madden, you
1: know. Team chemistry matters. Uh, I trust D'Amico Ryan's in the moves okay. that he wants to make, and I think, yeah, you know, maybe if they weren't following the stuff that he wants to do, especially okay. at the linebacker position, uh, you know, a spot I that I guess he knows D'Amico best. Right? Ryan is a bit familiar with that. Uh, maybe it's time to let those guys go. So uh, I don't know. I, I'll I'll give D'Amico Ryan the pass until I see him have a terrible coaching year.
0: All right. Well, now we're to a little college football. Week zero recap. Two notable games, just quick here because they weren't very close. But number 13, Notre Dame took care of Navy 42 to three. Turns out that this game is only close when they play at the end of the season, not week zero.
1: Born I American. was off
0: there. Uh, yeah, the American man, the American conference, the greatest conference in New York. Okay. Anyways, new quarterback, Sam Hardman. Great day. 250 passing yards, four touchdowns. They took him out immediately. Great performance. Um, the other game, though, number six USC over San Jose State, 56 to 28. But this was a seven-point game at half. San Jose had two Bay Area legends, Kyrie Robinson at running back, tight end Nico Mazzotti starting. So that was cool to watch. But other than that, it was all Caleb Williams, four touchdowns, made some crazy plays. This week, though, it's going to be a little bit better. Week one. Week one is uh, normally for the Power Five schools playing their out-of-conference cupcake games with a couple good rivalries. So let's kick it off with Florida at number 14, Utah. It's the last year for Cam Rising. Florida without Richardson, but they did bring in Graham Murch from Wisconsin. Uh, I'll talk about this one a little bit more because my bet has to do with it, but um, Florida hasn't played on the West Coast in the regular season since the early 90s. I will leave it at that. The next game, the Boise State Broncos at number 10, Washington. Lots of history with these two schools. Uh, transfers, the same coaches, playing in the Holiday Bowl for like 10 straight years. Uh, Boise usually plays them tough, but this one's all about Michael Penix Jr. He's going to put up video game numbers, and you're going to want to check out at least a little bit of it. Uh, next game, we got Colorado at number 17, TCU. It's Dion and Shadir's first year in the FBS. You got Travis Hunter. The two-way star, he's actually going to do it, too. Week one, he's going to be starting at receiver and corner, which is just awesome. TCU is going to be worse than last season. The loss of Max Duggan is pretty big, but they got Oklahoma transfer Chandler Morris. He's not bad. And the last game on Saturday, number 21 UNC against South Carolina, the Gamecocks. We got a neutral site here at the Panther Stadium it's drake may the potential number two pick in a shootout against the former number one prospect in america spencer radler and t- an attempt to save his pro career started off right that's going to be a sick game and we got one more sunday night special because there's no nfl this weekend mm-hmm. number five lsu against number nine florida state a top 10 matchup to kick off the year this one's uh also going to be a neutral site they're playing in orlando Florida State projecting upwards, future top picks. Quarterback Jordan Travis, edge rusher Jared Burst returning for their senior years. But LSU is also on a mission following just short of the playoffs last year. Quarterback Jaden Daniels returns to a top defense headlined by sophomore edge rusher Harold Perkins, expected to make a Will Anderson-like jump this season. So I'm excited to see what's going on this weekend. The game should be much, much better than last week. That's what I got.
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff there. One last thing before, I guess, uh, we get into this ball. Do you guys see what happened last night with Ronald Acuna? And this people at the, this Rockies game seemed like there was a fan that came up to him at the end of an inning, ran out the field and, like, tried to give him a hug or, or tackle him down or whatever. And Acuna's like, okay, what's going on here? He was kind of chill about it, but he was just like, like not really doing much and entertaining it and then next thing you know there's another fan that runs on him and like tries to hug him as well too and there's two security guards that rush over immediately or not even immediately it took quite a bit uh and are like not even like really trying to get this these person like people off of Acuna they're just like kind of standing there and like trying to be super lenient to them then another person comes in and tries to go and hug Acuna as well, too. So the full Rockies, you know, security staff gets out there. All the Braves players are looking around and you're out there and trying to, like, help with the situation. Acuna, like, falls down like a cartoon falls down. Uh, just the whole situation. Really, really weird. Uh, so if you want, just go look up the video because I know it's going to be really tough for me to describe just, so, you know, audibly instead yeah, of looking at it up. visually. uh i didn't notice i saw the video get retweeted by gavin lux and say that the Dodgers security would have beat the shit out of those people so i guess you know maybe rocky security not as good as Dodgers security maybe we have a little security off soon you could see that going on you know the only way the rockies get to october so security is having the playoffs versus the dodgers but um shame on you rocky well, security for not doing a good job
0: What I'm concerned about is, like you said, he kind of felt like a cartoon character. That's Mm. because he was getting dragged by all these people. And he he got pulled down. I mean, guys get hurt celebrating, just sliding normally. This could have been really bad, and it's fucked up. You can't touch them. If if Acuna put his hand up for a high five, sure, whatever. Funny. Do not try to tackle the best player on that team right now, okay? That's about to go to the World Series, right? If everything goes right.
1: Can you imagine if he got hurt? yes I jesus can. yes I that'd can. be crazy yeah all, all right, right. <laughs> well we'll move on from that though because that was just absolutely nuts uh, again if you want just look up the video it's, it's kind of tough for me to I me mean, it's got to really you know picture it into your minds just because of how random and weird it was and kind of how unclear the video is uh but moving on from halftime though getting back to your head at we got our top 12 fantasy wide receivers. Skyler, do you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about before we get into the top 12?
0: I do have a couple that I should mention um, because the top 12 receivers, this is is an exclusive group right here. Um, If you are after your third round pick, say, or second round pick, if you have a a long time to wait, they're all going to be gone. So I wanted to mention A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver one upside because of all the targets
1: they get. But
0: I'm just not really in on them this year.
1: Yeah, and I also want want to point out something on my list as well too. There's not all these guys are gonna be taken, you know, super super quick. But I think some of these guys have sleeper seasons that get them in to the wide receiver top twelve category. So okay, okay, you know maybe not, you know, you know, put all your push all your coins in and whatnot and, and go for it, but. You know, watch out for some of these guys because, you know, maybe their seasons are a bit better than what they're projected. Uh, And that just shows how random fantasy football can be. Skelly, who's the number 12 guy that you had? I'm
0: going to go with Chris Olave at the number 12 spot. I think Derek Carr, uh, although has put up very similar numbers as Jameis Winston, he feels like the type of quarterback to go after the defense. Target Chris Olave seven times in a row if they're not paying attention you know, and, and that type of situation is is great for Chris Olave. He's, he's really good.
1: Yeah. I I like Olave a lot this year. He does just barely miss out on my list. And that's because of CD lamb and the the amount of targets that he's going to get this year from Dak Prescott. I think with Dalton Schultz leaving, that's going to, you know, free up some more, you know, throws to go his way. And I think CD is going to have the ability to take a chance advantage of it, where he's probably going to get, you know, 10 targets a game I'd say, you know, just just based off of how that Dallas team operates on offense. So I like CD, I don't think he's going to be this crazy top of the line wide receiver, but I think he's going to have a good year uh, and fit finish right at that fringe wide receiver one spot.
0: On to number 11. Number 11 I got Calvin Ridley of Jacksonville, the new addition. I know he hasn't played in a year, but he's not a bum. Last season the offensive Jacksonville, when it got cold, you would think they would start running, but no, they passed more. So I think Calvin Ridley has has legit wide receiver one upside here. It's a little higher than people normally have him ranked, probably just because he hasn't played. But uh this is, again, a situation where he could probably get targeted 12 times every game if, if Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball 40 times every game, once again, like last year.
1: Yeah. Number 11, I went with Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think he's going to have this you know, crazy top eight wide receiver season year, but he's going to have, again, another guy like CD who's going to get a lot of targets, uh, and especially a lot of red zone targets when he's in there. Uh, we always see him have a ton of receptions. you know, Maybe that craziest yard guy as far as stuff, because I feel like a lot of his stuff is a bit more in the shorter game. But he's going to get a lot of attention with the football, so... Just based off of that alone, I, I'm going Amon-Ra in the 11 spot. Some, someone that I've been high on these past years, I'm not yeah. as high on now. Okay. On a number 10.
0: Number 10, I have Jalen Waddle here from Miami. I still think – I've talked about this last week a little bit. I think they can exist with each other in the fantasy world. It might not make sense, but again, it's another team that throws the ball 48 times every game. It's going to be okay. If, if you miss out on Hill and you really think Waddle is your guy – I don't blame you, man.
1: Number 10, Calvin Ridley. He cracks my top 10 just barely. I know Skyler said he has him higher than most people. Didn't have him higher than me, though, motherfucker. I got him one higher spot. Uh, I think he's going to have a a crazy year based off of his expectations. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we saw him make the jump from year one to two. I think we're going to see probably a similar jump going from year two to three where he gets into that upper, upper echelon of QBs. And it makes it so much easier to do so when you have that guy on your team that you can throw to and rely on consistency, consistently we saw it with Josh Allen. Once he got Stephon Diggs, I think we're going to see it here with Calvin Ridley being in Jacksonville. So big season ahead for him. He's had great years before as well, too. So it's not like, you know, just because he's out a year, that's gonna change everything. It's not like he was hurt. He was just suspended. So the injury concern isn't as much there. And I like going really a lot, man. G- give me him yeah. in a 10 spot on a number nine.
0: I got Amon Ra a couple spots above you here at number nine. Um again, I, I feel like he really does have have the potential to be the the focal point of this offense. The problem is he's not really that yet there's still a team that likes to run the ball at the goal line i just think being the only great receiver on that team bumps them above some of these other guys
1: yeah number nine i went with t higgins uh a bit higher than what a lot of people have him in projections hey, but I'd i take think him if he was there i think higgins is going to really do a great job of coexisting with, with jamar chase this year and i think he's going to have a bigger year than what a lot of people expect from him him and burrow have kind of i mean obviously higgins has kind of been in the shadow ever since jamar chase has been there as far as guys to throw to for joe burrow but this year higgins is gonna i think he's gonna have a big year he's a great red zone target as well too kind of helps take the attention off of jamar chase as well i'm not saying jamar chase is gonna have a bad year because he's somewhere on this list and i haven't mentioned him yet so he's gonna have a big year but i think t higgins is gonna have a big year as well too uh, just maybe a big year in general for that Bengals offense on number eight
0: number eight is where i got cd lamb of the cowboys i don't necessarily think he's a great nfl player a great receiver but he he gets the ball a lot man and kyle's giving me a weird face he's a Boy, pretty he,
1: damn good receiver
0: okay but there's a lot of guys i would choose over him if i you know this guy has to make this catch and you win $1 million type of situation. You know what I'm saying? Okay. But the Cowboys throw the ball so many freaking times. I mean, we talk about the teams throwing 50 times a game. That's Dak Prescott every week, man, when he's not injured. So he's going to end up at this spot at some point. It might not start off pretty, but he's going to end up in the top 10.
1: My first shocker ranking at the eight spot, Tyreek Hill down year for Tyreek. I don't think Miami plays as well as what we expect them to. I think Tua kind of flops on his face, but doesn't have the progression of that second year in the McDaniel offense as what we usually see quarterbacks that are young and have that second year in their their new system go. Tyreek's probably still going to have some big games, but I just don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year. And I don't think it's going to you know really work out over Miami this year. Keep that on the down low, though, because if it's wrong, people are going to shit on me. So there's that uh on a number 7. Number
0: 7 I got Garrett Wilson of the Jets. Um this is my guy. <laughs> There's a chance that Rodgers throws the ball every single play and that's that's amazing cuz he's very good at football. And uh talk about a guy, you know, you need him to make a catch for a million dollars. This dude catches everything. So, he's my number 7.
1: Number 7 for me, AJ Brown. I'm a big AJ Brown guy. I think he's very talented he's a great wide receiver in general uh and jalen hurst has done a great job of giving him the ball in the first year he's a big touchdown guy uh probably gonna see that again this year devonta smith i didn't have on this list so maybe a bit of a lower year for devonta smith i know he's kind of that fringe like wide receiver 12 to 17 ish area uh but i think aj brown's gonna have a big year uh kind of just replicate the stuff they did last year on a number six
0: Number six, Devontae Adams of the Raiders, man. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like that one, Kyle? No. What no? the fuck? No. How many red zone targets do you guys have right now? He's going to score I mean, every single one of your touchdowns.
1: Devontae should be higher than fucking six. You think he's it's higher? It's Adams. Oh, I see. It's Devontae okay. Adams, dog. Stop the episode.
0: Stop Six the episode. is a is a very reasonable spot. Yeah. Okay. All right.
1: Well, well let's see. Let's see who you got up there. <laughs> yeah, you will see who I have right there. Do you want me to go? Do you want to talk about why Devontae only going to be wide receiver six in here?
0: He's going to be wide receiver six because he scores lots of points. Not wide receiver two or one or no. or three no, though. No. no. No, because he's not going to have 14 catches. Game, he's going to have seven.
1: Wide receiver six, Garrett Wilson, Skyler I can't believe yeah. that you put him so low on your list. I, one spot was, behind like you. Said, I think he's going to have a whole bunch of touchdowns this year. Uh, maybe not, you know, the highest in yardage because I think there's a ton of other guys for Arod to throw to, and of course the run game as well too. But when it gets down to being in the red zone, this guy's going to get a shit ton of targets. Arod trusts him already a great, good thing to see uh but Devonte over fucking garrett wilson 10 times out of 10 and i'm happy that you stayed at that way right now uh on number five like i said it's just about the points man i'm not
0: trying to hurt any feelings i just don't think his points will add up to be more than my number five receiver cooper cup coming off of a down year but stafford's back He's rated roll. This is their entire offense. Once again, we're in a situation where, you know, the numbers might not be comparable to Jettis. But uh, Devontae Adams, 100%. You take a guy with Devontae Adams' type of production here, and uh, it's not a guy I'm looking to draft in the first round, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do and go with the value.
1: Number five. Stephon Diggs I think we're gonna get a very respectable season from Stephon Diggs I don't think we're gonna see him go off I don't think we're gonna see him have a bad year I think we're just gonna see him kind of play around the spot that he's been the past few years where he's been in that you know in between wide receiver two to wide receiver probably five spot over his past two to three years that he's been in Buffalo I think we're gonna get more of the same from him pretty safe pick I would say fantasy. Uh moving on to number four. Go, who do you have here?
0: Yeah, Stephon Diggs at four. Uh very well said. Um just interesting with the division getting a little better. If that'll impact Tyreek and Stefan Diggs. But you know, in my mind I, I don't really have anything changing much from those guys this season.
1: Number four, uh I had Jamar Chase. A lot of people have him as their wide receiver too. I moved him down a little bit because I think T Higgins is gonna have a great year. And so I think that's going to be a little bit, you know, there's, there's yards that are going to go from Jamar that go to T. Higgins this year, I think. And I think he's Jamar's obviously still going to have a great year. You know, wide receiver four is a very, you know, top of the league, you know, league winning type wide receiver, but he's not going to be wide receiver two. And I think there's a couple guys that are a bit better than him.
0: On to number three, Still love Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's still going to be one of the best deep shot guys all year, and. And again, like I said, Tua is going to throw the ball 40 times every game. They don't have a running backs. So uh, I, I'm okay with taking them this high.
1: Number three for me is going to be where, where I don't know why I said that. Uh, where market, I went with it? Cooper Cup. Oh, a uh, guy who's going to get the ball ton this year. I think when healthy, this guy is one of the most elite fantasy weapons that we've seen in a long, long time. Obviously, had that triple crown year a couple years ago. He's not going to be off to that extent. And if there is somebody up to that extent, we're going to see it with Justin Jefferson. But Cooper Cup is going to have games where he's still going to get targeted, you know, 12 to 15 times, probably come down with 10 of them and get 100 yards consistently and a touchdown. So that alone right there is what, 27 points, 26 points. He's going to do that a lot. Cooper Cup, the number three wide receiver for me.
0: Number two, Skeller. I do have Jamar Chase still at number two, and that's because I think he's going to lead the league in touchdowns. Uh, that's a lot of points right there. Um, like you said, I I really think there's something with that Bengals offense. Like we haven't seen it already, right? But just to another level, I feel like they're, they're still kind of due. Yeah.
1: Number two for me, uh, best wide receiver in football, the guy who led the league in touchdowns last year, that's Devontae Adams. Uh, this dude is fucking ridiculous. Jimmy G is going to be great at getting him the ball. Josh McDaniels, the one thing that he was really good at in year one was getting the ball to his guys, as in Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, when they needed to be. I think we're going to see less of the force to him uh, and from what Carr did, more of the spreading around, which allows Devontae to kind of get you know more open because hopefully Renfro and Jacoby Myers are playing more. I think that's gonna, in turn, also turn up Devontae's numbers in the red zone because it's just gonna be so many guys to guard. And when you have one-on-one coverage with him, it's fucking impossible to to stop a guy like that. So Devontae's gonna have a ton of touchdowns. I think he probably leads the NFL in touchdowns this year as well too. Yards probably second or third, but he's also gonna have probably hundred plus catches easily. So
0: yeah, uh, how many of those are gonna be with the Jets after week seven? Shut the fuck up. It's not fucking happening. <laughs> Bryce Huff and a fourth for Devontae.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah? Yeah. Not fucking Devontae Adams. Maybe Devontae Booker or something oh, like that. Oh, that was a good one. A good one. <laughs> I, you don't know how long I was thinking. Devontae, Devontae, who? Devontae, who? Devontae, who? Uh, number one, Justin motherfucking Jefferson. Really? I how went d- with Greg Jennings. Oh, yeah? Greg Jennings. <laughs> Going to reset the wide receiver market here soon. Yeah. The Vikings want to get him paid before the season. And I, if for their sake, they probably should. Because after the season, he's going to ask for a lot. After probably having 1,000 <clears> like yards this year. So, guys, there anything you want to say about Justin Jefferson besides that he's an amazing talent, great wide receiver, and is going to go ham this year?
0: There's really nothing quite like it, man. Um, it's kind of like we have Terrell Owens dropped into – our era of football. He's just created everything he does.
1: Yeah. But yeah. Go Jettas. Receivers. Go Jettas. On to our top eight tight ends. We're not doing 12 because fuck tight ends, nine through 12. Just don't even pick a fucking tight end. If you don't get one of the top seven or eight guys roll with Tyler Conklin, fuck the honorable mentions, even though, you know, maybe Skyler does have some, uh, number
0: eight, fire Muth safety blanket,
1: <laughs> you're gonna love you're gonna love my number eight dude chigazium okongwu motherfucker this is my guy he oh you is... get points for blocks now the fuck? <laughs> t- he had some games last year where i was like yeah chig's that dude and i think he's getting chiggy with it this year as well uh give him tight a number eight over firemuth guys like that uh let's move on to number seven fuck.
0: all right i got goddard here still from philly uh just a ultimate red zone target
1: call me a hater say what you want number seven darren waller uh daniel jones is not see that guy is he really that guy? i don't know i don't think he's gonna be a great uh guy for darren waller and a down year for him you know this is with him staying healthy which likely he won't be healthy the entire year so Waller just the seven spot i think there's just some other guys on this list that are too good to pass up on uh, yeah. number six
0: uh, my six is Waller as well. It's it's too risky in my opinion. The only thing that'll keep him up here is him getting the ball every single third down.
1: No. Sure. Number six, Dallas Goddard. Uh, I'm a big Dallas Goddard guy. I think he's going to be all, an all around decent tight end. Obviously not. I don't think he's going to be some crazy league winner guy, uh, but he's probably gonna have a game or two where he has two touchdowns or something like that. And that's really going to boost his ratings uh, Eagles, very stacked on offense. So they're going to be spreading the ball around. I don't think you're going to see a ton of sh- consistency when it comes to having like huge, huge games. So we're not going to see a crazy high ceiling with Goddard, uh, but the sixth spot, I think lands them in it. right. I think it's pop on a number five,
0: number five. I got Evan Ingram of Jacksonville. I-, I like it because you can get pretty much a receiver two and a half really late.
1: Yeah. Ingram's a guy that I like. I, I didn't have him on this list. I think, having calvin ridley this year is really going to change it for for evan ingram sure. especially in the second half of the season because he was he was fucking legit at the end of the year last year but i like evan ingram i wouldn't be you know afraid going with him if you don't get one of the top eight guys number five i went with tj hawkinson i know this might be a little bit low for him i think he's universally tight end three right now maybe tight end four yeah he is uh I just, there's a couple guys above him that I really, really like this year. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's still going to get the ball a lot for a tight end uh, and still going to, you know, have good production. So don't shy away from taking him. I just don't think he's as high as, I don't have him as high as, as other people do. I'll just say that. On a number four, top half of the list.
0: Yeah, my number four is going to be Hawkinson as well here. He's just a great all around player. And that's, that's a pretty, pretty high floor.
1: Number four, a guy who didn't get utilized at all last year, but is such a great talent that he has to be this year. And I just – I'm banking on him not being retarded. Oh, oh shit. The R word not being an idiot this year. You can can give it. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Kyle Pitts. This guy is amazing Uh, when it comes to talent on the football field. And you need to get this motherfucker the ball because he's a beast. So, Kyle is number four on a number three.
0: Number three, I don't have Kyle Pitts. I have George Kittle here. Uh, last season, when Purdy came in, his targets went from like three to eight a game. And I'm going to ride with that, even though it's a small sample size.
1: Yeah. Kittle was rated low on fantasy rankings. Uh, I like him a lot. He's also my tight end three. Yeah.
0: Number two, Mark Andrews. He's basically wide receiver 10.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's valid. I think. Probably a bigger year than last year as well, too. Especially if Lamar stays healthy. Ravens offense could be looking nice. We'll just say that. Tight number one, Travis Kelsey. Basically wide receiver three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's that. Uh, moving on to our bets, and we'll get on out of here for the rest of the day. Interestingly for me and Skyler, uh, last week I had the M's over the Chicago Cubs. Uh, not Cubs. White Sox on Tuesday. M's got that one done in great fashion. I believe they won 14 to two that day. Skyler Mm -hmm. had Navy plus 20 and a half at Notre Dame. We'll skip over that. Uh, This week, I have the M's over the A's on Wednesday, betting against my own team. That's a Bryce Miller start versus Zach Neal. So uh, (laughs) give me the M's in that one. Yeah.
0: All right. A little bit of college football here. I got number 14, Utah minus six and a half at home against the Gators. Uh, Mentioned it a little bit earlier florida does not play on the west coast very well they haven't played a regular season game on the west coast since the 90s they're gonna get their asses kicked and it's gonna be ugly i like utah
1: uh, last week, both predictions. I had Kyle Harrison get the W in his first MLB start in Philly. That did not happen. He got the W in a second MLB start, so good for him, but wasn't able to get that one in Philly. Skeller Jonathan Taylor not traded before week one. He will not be traded before week one, so I guess I'll go ahead and give you the I just that, I, I had a yellow placed. just
0: because you you never know. Indianapolis is filled with liars in the organization.
1: <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> since he was placed on the PUP uh, – he can't get traded now. So that's good for you. We'll, we'll give you the green for that this week. I have, uh, one that could go in the span of two weeks. I say Shohei Otani gets shut down before the year within the next two weeks. Uh, not just pitching of course, cause we already knew that, but hitting as well too. And are waving the white flag. If they want to keep him, they just got to say, you know, we're, we're, we're focused on the future. This is not the time. Uh, and just shut him down because his body's going through a lot of wear and tear right now. So, yeah, shut him down in the next two weeks. So by episode one fifty seven,
0: there's virtually a three way tie here for the AL West. My prediction is that by the end of next week, right when we start this episode, Houston will be back in first place. Um, Houston's going to play a series against Seattle and Texas within that time frame, and uh, I think Houston is
1: built for this. Okay. Yes. Yeah, they're winning right now in Boston, five to two. They won yesterday. Nice. Jose Altuve hit for the cycle. Uh, but I think the Rangers are winning right now, and the Mariners are gonna play the A's here in a little bit. So Ooh. there's that. But AOS getting mad, interesting. So tune into that over this next you know month uh, to see what happens as we go into October. Uh, we still got two and a half me- minutes on our meeting time, so if we wanted to, we could just. Ramble about stuff for the next two and a half minutes. Yeah. One, uh Any parting notes you got?
0: To what about a, a way too early 2024 mock draft for NFL? Oh,
1: Not next week, obviously. We, Caleb uh, Williams, <laughs> Marvin Harrison Jr., Drake May, Hakeem Elijah 1. Okay. Yeah.
0: Just, you know, I'm a sicko when it comes to college football.
1: It's true. You are sick. I'm gonna,
0: you know, even if I don't share it, I'm probably gonna gonna type one out just just so I can look back.
1: A's news. Uh, yep. people, I guess are exp- so. Mason Miller's pitching either today or tomorrow in Vegas, and they said that he could rejoin the team after that start. So.
0: Oh yeah, come miss. hang out, but don't throw any balls.
1: We we <laughs> enjoy Mason Miller being around. He's been at the Coliseum a ton. You know, playing catch up and walking around the stadium, seeing them that's doing it. that. Uh, so, yeah, a sign Josh Johnson, maybe that could happen as well, too. Uh, hey, I would go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'd sell a few more tickets, you know, get the uh, regulators back in the Coliseum speakers mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time. Uh, but that's going to do it. We'll see you on episode 156 for the NFL season preview. Full in-depth. Fully in-depth. That'll be fun. We'll see you next time. <clears throat>
0: Maybe some, uh, awards that we make up too, like we did for MLV season. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Have a great time. Great time. Go, Jess.